Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion from the outside that may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. We are. Back Why? in my kitchen. Is that background sound the sound of my fridge or my tinnitus? Who knows? Bit of dares to dream. Yeah. It did, I, like, I was listening to the radio and there was, like, there was a whole thing of people talking about being utterly destroyed by tinnitus and like never being able to sleep, that it just completely like ruins their lives. Really? Huh. And I was like, maybe it's just like... <laughs> Because of, like, Don't I know so many that. people who've got tinnitus, <laughs> and we're all just like, oh, we've had tinnitus since we've had 14. <laughs> I do love the uh, the thing of, like, yeah, it's a it's a range of your hearing that is dying. Yeah. I, it's yeah. dying scream. That's so metal. But Which, does, ironically, is how I got my tinnitus. <laughs> it does make sense why I need to constantly have sound around me, otherwise I start to, like, get all antsy. Because then I can hear the fucking word. The, like, <laughs> Anyway. So how have you been, darling? Yeah, all right, I think. Watch BMQs again. Oh, no. I can't stop now. I'm back in it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Or I'm watching it. Give those, giving them. Yeah, I did need it on in the background because I hurt my back. I did old man. I did an old man thing. I can lift an absurd amount of weight at the moment. I can lift more than I've ever been able to do in my life. I can bench press over a hundred kilos very easily. Right. I can deadlift huge amounts. I can squat. I can do all kinds of things. Yes. So I Punch was line. sitting on the chair, this chair, <laughs> and I turned slightly to my right and it went poang in my back and I have severely injured an intercostal muscle and crippled myself. <laughs> it is horrendous. More pain than I... Like, I've had... I've had a wisdom tooth crack and this is worse. <laughs> um, you only ever get explosive injuries, though. That's mm-hmm. very... That's a very, like, interesting facet about you. That <laughs> I, I, if you were, I don't get, Other like, people would be injury. like... Yeah, it would be like, this is all oh, this tooth's wearing down. Nope! Bite on a stone. <laughs> no, it didn't bite on a stone. I was eating soup. <laughs> it was soup. It was <laughs> chunky. It Not was... even chunky, was it? <laughs> no, it was an expensive sourdough bread uh... that cracked a wisdom tooth that hadn't come out. Like cracked in the gut. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Awful. Sorry. Trigger warning for the nastiness of that. But yeah, this is this is horrendous. I'm on so many painkillers. I, t- I had to wait until you were just about here so I could take enough painkillers so I could sit. Nice. Otherwise, I have to sort of stand. Feels so special. Yeah, what I'm saying is, lift weights get like a lot of mass and muscle, and then it just seems to hurt more when you break one of them. <laughs> so this was the background of PMQs crippling pain. Yeah, so that's why I watched. I've watched a lot of politics stuff. I watched <laughs> um, We're Streeting on the TV. I never watch politicians on the TV you due to my well advertised. Sometimes uh, you should because avoiding politics. Media. Sometimes you should because it's really important. Sometimes, like you know, you can read the things that Rachel Reeves says. You can see the odd clip of Rachel. Reeves. Oh, I read everything it, Rachel Reeves says. I, I didn't. I didn't don't of, get me wrong. I read all of her press releases. <laughs> you can see her making a fool of herself on things, but it's not until you've you haven't slept, and so you watch like Good Morning Britain. You flick in between Good Morning Britain and the BBC One and Breakfast. And um, going on the radio because you're waiting for Frasier to come on because that's the only yep. thing that's worth watching first thing in the morning. And you get to see like the odd politician do the whole rounds and make the same fuck up in every single interview <laughs> because they've never learned how to do any of this stuff. Even though we've been told, like we got told for years, like me, like a lot of people got into politics in like 2016. 
Yeah. You know, there was the Brexit vote and then there's Jeremy Corbyn. You know, that got a lot of people into it. But me and yeah. you have been disappointed by all of these pieces of shit for a very long time. And so we could remember that Rachel Reeves was terrible in front of a camera. I wonder if that's like... That but could, then they tricked could... everyone into thinking that she was actually good. And then she well, they back just, on no, like, They didn't trick anyone. They just said she was good yeah. over and over mm. again. Because that's as far as they get. I wonder. Like, she must have lessons. They must have made her do lessons. Like, her and Wish Streeting have been told, this is how you talk to the camera. Mm. And this is how you remember words. And none of it seems to stick. But it's, the, yeah, there's the, the, the kind of, um, I noticed, uh, <laughs> what was it, you, you um, it was Sadiq Khan. When he was saying, I'm putting Cressida Dick on notice. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. That little, like, wordy thing, that little looking tough thing that Keir Starmer was doing mm. has suddenly translated and they've all decided it's a really good idea, even though it was ridiculous mm. at the time. Yeah. I believe it's the first few weeks of COVID <laughs> when he was talking about closing schools. Yeah. I, you're talking about that um, moving to different rooms, like moving to different interviews, right? Mm. I wonder if that's a, a bold new... Um, like political analyst thing mm. it's like every every morning you put together the videos of them doing all of the rounds on a particular yeah. day and see if there's like like i don't know um though i've seen some funny. people have done some things where um i think i did see a thing of rachel reeves um changing her mind about a thing like in between two interviews she received because, some very important information um i think she made a tit of herself on lbc and then changed her mind on the next one yeah but that's usually they're, they're just awful people and they're so bad at it it's like I don't understand. Like, just watch some promo tapes. Yeah. Just, you know, you know. okay, look, you're a Labour politician, just do some Dusty. Put some Dusty on it. <laughs> you're a Tory, put some flair. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Flair's a Lib Dem. But behind closed doors. What Lib Dems are like behind closed doors? All <laughs> sickos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what well, you know you can't do that. actually no I would the Tory should just really really be mad at it. No chance. <laughs> that but it's it's there is an interesting thing there because it's they are trying to get back to something approaching Blairism. Yeah. Something approaching New Labour. This is the run up. Whether this this bit is the real bit yeah. or whether this is the Kinnock bit mm-hmm. that they think has they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Part of it was he never fucked up. <laughs> and even if he did fuck up, he argued that he didn't fuck up. Mm-hmm. But they, you can see this, there's this really off-putting, like, animal, like, like magnetism. What's the reverse of animal magnetism? Animal, uncanny anim- Valley. Un- They've yeah. got Uncanny Valley. For, like, they, they look like people. They sound like people. But meshed together, it's just wrong. And it, it instantly repulses you. They can't do it because the skills they've been taught are entirely out of date and they mm. were never that good at them because it is part acting. Yeah. Like, it is part acting. The old, you know, the puppets on a string, mm. politician acting, yeah. two-faced, all of the old fantastic boasters that we all know and love yeah. in Islington. <laughs> um, that's, that's part of what it is. Mm. And I don't. it does feel like none of them have ever... I, I would say with the... With the exception of Stella Creasy, it feels like none of them have ever had to actually like speak in public like they meant what they were saying. Now, I said with the exception of Stella Creasy, is that she knows how to do it, she just doesn't know what to say. She doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> do you remember when she was going around calling herself a socialist, saying she was the original socialist and all that? I because don't she was getting left-wing criticism, she was a socialist, and then you know she'll get other criticism and she'll be that thing. Yeah. Um, 
she possibly has a slightly better like take on it, but also they, it, it's so empty that she has nothing to say, so mm. it, it doesn't matter. But they are supposed to have something to say, and they they just they just can't do it. They can't sell it. No, they look terrified. Mm-hmm. All of them. They yeah. all mimic the Keir Starmer the Keir Starmer look. Yeah. Speaking of, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Keir Starmer got uh, brigaded outside Parliament, was it? Yeah. He got shouted up. He got shouted up by people. Um, by a mob of people talking about uh, the Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. Um, so the Labour Party's instant response is to constantly talk about um, Keir Starmer and Jimmy Savile in the same sentence and say it's not real. Like, because what you do when someone's someone's like deeply in a conspiracy theory where they believe that Jimmy Savile was saved from prison by his best mate Keir Starmer, is you if you, as an establishment figure, constantly tell them no. Jimmy Savile and Keir Starmer couldn't be any more different. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing them together and they were on the opposite side of a room. <laughs> but they could, just, they could just drop it, but they, they, they won't. They, no, they no, no, no. This, has been, th- this has been three days now of the constant, constant like, this is, this, it was, this is, this is terrible. This, mm. is, this is an affront to our democracy. Mm. And, you know, the several threats to kill Jeremy Corbyn aside... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's sure there's this climate where MPs are worried about themselves and aren't really sure what to do. Mm. And I think it's very good that, you know, the press are kind of really understanding this and making the effort to constantly link them together <laughs> in people's minds. It's so, and I don't understand like this recent phenomenon of reaching into far right theory to smear a Labour politician. I just, it's so new to me and it's so against everything that happened <laughs> up until this moment i can't possibly yes okay uh jeremy corbyn yeah sure but he was a far left wacko he was and he was working and he deserved hand in it. glove with vladimir putin but you know you wouldn't have expected this from like i don't know ed miller oh well actually we did publish that thing about ed miliband's dad uh saying that he was a far left lunatic who hated britain but, you know, they wouldn't have done it to, like, I don't know, Gordon Brown. Oh, they did kind of castigate him for saying that Gillian Duffy was bigoted. Uh, Tony Blair? They let all the Muslims in. Uh, oh, God, did you see that clip that was going around um, earlier today of um, Peter Oban talking about um, the the budget was being... It was, like, in 2004, and the budget was on the same day as Cheltenham, and you've got a bunch of Tories saying, this is a resignable offence, this is disgusting. They don't understand normal people, the Labour Party. They did this as a calculated attack on hard-working people who go to Cheltenham. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, they, yeah it's, they should be saying it is interesting that free... The last three Labour leaders have all been targeted. In a sort of very specific way. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, yeah, I, I'm joking about the Gordon Brown thing, but, yeah. but even in the background of New Labour, mm. with Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, who were supposedly the acceptable mm. um, Labour leaders to the, the right, to the yeah. institutional right of the media. Yeah. That, um, yeah, there was always the background thing with them. Yeah. That they literally were engineering the inner cities to be Labour vote producing machines by allowing immigration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was always that. There was always that they were, you know, anti countryside, anti. You know, they 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 did the same kind of thing with them. Mm. And, of um, course, there was a lot more reason to do it, Tony Blair, because he was actually, you know, party to murder, but yeah, mass murder, but yeah. But yeah, they they have to 
But they have to make out that Kiss Summer is new and different, and this is a completely new yeah. and abhorrent thing that we cannot possibly abide. And it's just oh, so tired. I do, and and it was, it was very interesting how every picture makes him look like he's um, been arrested. Because I actually thought like he's mm. walking through, and he kind of like. I don't know what the protocol is for like when you're getting shouted at by loads of people and you've got like uh, like bodyguards or coppers around you and you're just like, do you tell them beforehand, no, I don't want to be like handled away or there's a protocol I or something, think, right? I don't think they get a choice in the matter. It's just like if they get, if it gets too much, somebody says something in the earpieces and they bundle them away. I but like he's walking around normally. He doesn't see, he seems to ignore it. Like he ignores everything. Yeah. Um, he seems to be his promises, uh, any policies, his own words. Delivery drivers. <laughs> but the only, like, he holds up quite well, whatever. Hmm. He's walking through a load of people shout at him shouting traitor. Hmm. And the only picture they show is him being bundled off by two police holding by the arms. So he looks hmm. like he's been arrested. Yeah. Just Perfect. For you know, a meal. I mean, journalists are just there to report the facts. <laughs> One specific fact at a time. <laughs> Not at all arranged to look like he was being arrested for complicity in Jimmy Savile's crimes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and it's gonna. They're not gonna stop. They're gonna keep on pushing this, and Boris isn't gonna apologise because oh, that's, Boris just... cannot apologise at this point. It has been too long. If he apologises, it's another like chink. You can't. You can't. There's no point. No one would accept it, and the damage is already done. He might as well just stick with it. It's. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Would Rishi Sunak do something like this? Yeah. Would Pretty to attack? They actually did. They literally yeah. did this thing, but they kind of avoided it because Keir Starmer sort of took a back seat in the yeah. 2019 election mm. and didn't really campaign that hard. Mm. So it's already been done. And this idea of. John this Warboys I- drop. Oh yeah, we haven't even come. had that because that has it's it's Carrie Simons, isn't it? Yes, it's intimately related and was targeted Stalked by him. Yeah, it was targeted. Why by did him. you let out this rapist who stalked my missus? Yeah. That's literally going to be a thing that is going to be said. Probably not, won't say it like that, but he should say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it depends but, if he's if he's up in the north. Yeah, it will. It will one hundred percent be used. Mm. But they're waiting to keep their powder dry for the election. Yeah. Um, yeah, this weird, interesting trend of like saying. I have a an exemplar of good behaviour that I am going to hold up as an example of how Boris Johnson is terrible. And it's like, right, it's not going to fucking get him out. It's not going to make him look any worse than he already is to people who already fucking hate him. Hmm. And you just make yourself look like an idiot. Margaret Thatcher wouldn't have done it. Section 28, Margaret mm-hmm. Thatcher. No, yeah, she would never have done that kind nope. of thing. She would never have given in to that kind of shit. It's just... And actual friends with Jimmy Savile. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. Ah! Okay, so um, the main thing I wanted to talk about this week mm-hmm. was the levelling up white paper. <laughs> Finally. We get to see everything this government's about. I know you've been waiting. I've been, I know you've I've all been, been waiting out there in, breath. in Radio Land. Yeah, um, I've definitely been looking for information on what the government's been doing and not looking for more information about possible squat leaks in 40k. <laughs> what if you got the squat leaks and then it turned out there was just a leak to levelling up? <laughs> it's part of the levelling up thing. It's it's part a... of the levelling up is reintroducing squats into the Warhammer 40,000 It's going to revitalise the Nottingham economy. <laughs> it will. So the story of the last five years of British politics goes something like this. 
Elements within and loosely associated with the UK Conservative Party, a core of advisors, wonks and MPs, discovered something that had never been realised before. Mm-hmm. P- people were unhappy. <laughs> people were not getting the things that they needed, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, they were unhappy with their lives in their country. It's very hard to believe, I know. Um, the scene dramatised in Brexit, the Uncivil War, mm-hmm. um, where Benedict Cumberbatch goes to the seaside town, I think it's in Essex, I think, mm-hmm. um, and hears the older couple's concerns about younger people moving away, their precarity, how they work to lock their doors at night. Um, people acted after Brexit like this was brand new information. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, areas of the country, especially in the parts where industrial activity had previously thrived and then, and then withered away, the North, Wales, the Southwest. Apparently they were poor and no, no one knew about it. There were like huge swathes of poverty and like sink estates and all of this. Did you did you hear about this? Did well, you no, ever there hear was, about there this? was a brief moment where I remember when they um shut down the dockyards in Chatham and the shipyards and it was got, and Medway got real real bad. But then they opened that outlet mall and it was all better. <laughs> I do remember they and opened... Chatham High Street Med- thrives now. <laughs> Medway City Estate, I remember. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, Medway a- Valley Estate. Oh, yeah, they Sorry, gave those a- are two different places. Yeah, they they gave us a Frankie and Benny's and a cinema and, um, and um, Amadeus Nightclub and everything was better. And Amadeus, there's a gala bingo down there now. They're doing very, very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so apparently all of the wealth that had accumulated kind of around the City of London, all the mm-hmm. financial institutions, that had not trickled down, apparently. It did it just didn't. It just stayed in the same place, and they never. I find that hard to believe. They never told us. They told us the check was in the post. Mm. It was coming. They mm-hmm. definitely, definitely was going to come. Come when they'd moved some money around. It was definitely going to trickle down, but it didn't apparently. Um, yeah, no, seriously. Um, it was just I, you watch this, and it's like this is just the squeeze middle. Mm-hmm. This is just the kind of silent majority shit mm-hmm. that has been a political staple since Nixon. Yeah, it goes back that far. It's the same thing. Um, so basically, armed with this knowledge that there was a group of people severely in, in severe poverty in the UK, um, the press talked about how this new Brexit. This was the new like Brexit class. The people mm-hmm. who had voted for Brexit that want that were um, had seen their living condition, their standards of living decline, seen mm-hmm. wages decline. These were the new power in British politics, and they had been ignored forever. But now the Tories were going to come in. And you know, this is what the new Tory party was going to be. A collection about. of retired homeowners. Yes, in Apparently in so. small towns that all the young people have moved out from. The These were the new backbone yeah. of the Conservative Party that hadn't existed before and had never voted Tory before. <laughs> None of these people had ever voted Tory before. It was just there was this desperation to give, and it still it still like carries on this desperation to give the Tories like that veneer of social democratic mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. like you could ever ever get them on any kind of thing. It's it's that it's that idea of. I think the idea of ideological movement excites them, but the fact of ideological movement does not interest them at all. No, not at all. Um, So this was the main plank of the Tories' 2019 election offering for Mm -hmm. what it was, Mm -hmm. Um, beyond Brexit anyway. Um, It was this idea of levelling up, that they were going to solve the geographic disparity, postcode lotteries, and like satisfy this new Brexit class that they were... They were going to uplift them and uplift whole regions from a cycle of poverty. They were going to turn every single part of the UK into Islington. Don't look at the poverty in Islington. <laughs> um, so I've read through most of this. It's a 300-page document. Don't sue me. 
the glee um, on your face, which you're like, ooh, I can really get into that. I'm that, so excited. It disgusted me. That, that, glue, like... that, that, that glee sort of faded after about 80 pages. Um, <laughs> after 80 pages, though? Oh, yeah. I got to, I read it properly up to probably about 150 pages and then skimmed the rest. <laughs> you, I did not miss anything. Spoiler, I did not miss anything. So it, this, <laughs> it's constructed like every other one of these reports mm-hmm. you've ever seen. It's got a silhouette of the UK with Union Jack coloured rays coming out from behind it. And nice. apparently the focus is somewhere Cumbria, the Lake District, okay. that kind of area. Um, there's a lot of pictures of normal people doing normal things. Like, like for instance... Can you show me a picture of a normal person doing a normal thing? Normal people doing normal things. So to me, that is a, a sun, a picture what? of a sunlit... Uh, looks like to be a seaside town. Obviously, very targeted by the geographic disparity. That looks like a pier. That looks like a pier at Chroma. It, yep, it could very well be. Um, and it looks like they're sort of carrying buckets and spades, and they're all going for a good old time. Yep, it's all they're white. It's all great, and they're they are white. The sun gets in the way a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's good describing the picture on a podcast. It really works. <laughs> um, so the it starts with a Boris forward quote. While we are without doubt one of the biggest and strongest economies in the world... Without citation needed. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're going... Actually, if you could say one of the... Top ten. If you could say one of the, like, covers a multitude of sins there. We are also one of the most unbalanced. A country in which the place of your birth is one of the clearest determining factors in how you'll get on, what opportunities will be open to you, even the number of years for which you can expect to live. I love this new information. This is not a new observation. Oh, okay. Whoa, he Whoa. disabused of your notions. He, he was right in that going, I bet he's going to fucking pick up on <laughs> Politicians have been aware of this regional inequality for as long as it has existed. Yet have tell been, us. Yet have been content to focus instead on the big picture of national growth. Mm-hmm. Tories have been in power for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer to it lies not in cutting down the tall poppies or attempting to hobble the areas that are doing well. Very important. Instead, I am determined to break that link between geography and destiny so that it makes good business sense for the private sector to invest in areas that have for too long felt left behind. And of course, he has to say that stuff about the tall poppies and not attempting to hobble the areas that are doing well because obviously one of the rumblings when people actually thought about what they meant by levelling up... Is they're going to damage our opium trade? If they damage yes. our opium trade, then what will, what will we live off? What will we sell to the Chinese? I can't deal with China, those silver tears I talked anymore. to Xi Jinping. He just, yeah, he just said, we have, we have nothing that interests him. And then he gave me a load of silver tails and told me to fuck off. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, it's Surrey Key saying, mm-hmm. oh, you mean us. Yeah. In terms of what they're doing well. But also, you know, good business sense for the private sector to invest in areas that are for too long felt left behind. I've heard this song before. Mm -hmm. Let's continue. If places that are currently underperforming start firing on all cylinders, national GDP will rise by tens of billions each year. That means more growth. Firing on all cylinders, I like that, because I like cars. Ooh, nice. That means more growth, more jobs, and higher wages right across the UK. And if we can level up this country and close our productivity gap, we'll have the most prosperous economy in Europe. So this is something they return to again and again in this. It's like, if everywhere would just make more money... (laughs) We'd have a lot more money. <laughs> we could be rich if everybody just output as much gross national product as the city of London. <laughs> yep, that could happen. Um, and it is also very weird about how um, 
he he immediately says like, oh yeah, previous governments have only focused on GDP and national growth, and then immediately says, yeah, but we can grow the national, like we could do yeah. massive national growth. That, yeah. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's a very predictable contradiction that last few those last few lines that this is meant to be a radical change in how you think about social policy and economic policy and industrial policy. It's a very predictable contradiction that, of course, you rely on the private the the um, private sector to do this because yeah. the Tories are the parties who did this. Yeah. If these regional disparities, they didn't create them, but they are responsible for their like exaggeration and their ex- exacerbation. Mm. Through Thatcher, through uh, austerity, through all of that. Mm-hmm. Labour are as well, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know. Um, we also have a foreword by Michael Gove and Andrew Haldane, who are the two, like, uh, Secretary of State and the other secretaries, the lesser Secretary of State, um, for levelling up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a picture of Gove that looks like he's just about Ooh, keeping it together. Uh, considering his... Yep. Yep, that's, that's... It's either a very old picture or he looks as if he's really strange. Just, just take the fucking picture. Just, yeah. just, Look, you've always been on a it. you've always been on a night out where someone goes to take a picture and you're worried that someone you, someone you work with is going to see that picture and so you have to hide. You have to smile like a human. He said, "They say uh, leveling up is a mission, part economic, part social, part moral. To change that, for, to change Britain for good, uh, it is about unleashing opportunity, prosperity, and pride in places where for too long it has been held back." It is about growing the pie and everyone sharing the fruits of this success, increasing not only people's living standards, but the length and quality of their lives. I am going to suggest that it is actually about growing the pie and not sharing the pie. I like talking about pies and talking about cars, because as a poor person, I love pies and cars. (laughs) But oh so much greater is the pie car of your dreams. The pie car, if you will. One of the things that really annoys me is they write like this. And they're not expecting a single Conservative voter to read this. Like any kind Absolutely of... nobody will read this. Yeah. That is no, very it's only important. For, it's, only yes. for each, it's only for each other. But they have to still yeah. use that kind of language and like reference it. And like, because, you know, that's... The growing, the, they have to the, pretend the, that they're talking... They pretend that they're talking to someone who might vote for them. But they're only talking to each other. It's stupid. They're pretending. They're doing that pretending. And Growing the pie is a very like... Was a very like common neoliberal... Um, was it? Uh, metaphor. It's like uh, a rising boat, uh, a no. rising tide raises all ships. Mm. It's we we don't have to cut up the pie. We have mm. to grow the pie. That was okay. a, that's a neoliberal thing, which runs counter to maybe they haven't said it, but certainly the spirit that mm-hmm. was put out about leveling up. That this is a this is not your mama's Tory. Yeah, this is a different kind of Tory, a yeah. social democratic Tory, a Labour Tory. <laughs> um, we need to bring all sectors of society together with the very best of government, the private sector, and civil society working in partnership. It is these... Okay, that's boring. This is awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is these forces that transformed Renaissance Florence mm-hmm. that spurred the Industrial Revolution in Britain and which drive today's super cities like Seoul, New York, and London. Say that word again for that South Korean capital. Seoul. Good Seoul. There we go. Sorry. I, I'm sorry I don't eat as much Korean food as you. You should. You should. It's actually really good. Um, Maybe you wouldn't make yourself look like such a fool in my kitchen in front of my dog. In front of your dog and your kimchi. Yes. Um, yeah, like Seoul. You heard Seoul. <laughs> no, all right. Because <laughs> we could go, we'll just end yeah. up going on a fucking tangent. They really go on a lot about Renaissance Italy in this. Fantastic. It's really funny. Um, which, as historical analogies go, is also like peak 
modern, like, mm-hmm. idiot Brit. <laughs> because it's like, it, it, I love, I, we went to Florence last year. It is, it's so beautiful. The hotel was so nice. Everything that went into this place's existence must have been amazing. <laughs> All aspects of its Don't history. Don't talk about the smell. Do not talk about Savonarola. Um, you know, this is a model for how we need to do things. Renaissance Florence. I was in Renaissance Florence and I was thinking of the problems that are happening in Carlisle and I thought, whoosh. <laughs> we will get more onto that in a moment. To level up and unite our country, we must follow a similar path. This requires a new model of government and governance for the UK. Warring city-states. Well, meeting these missions will require a countrywide effort with the UK government working with all tiers of government... So many times I've looked at what I've noted down here and it's like, that sentence is completely redundant. The UK government working with all tiers of government. Mm-hmm. The UK government is supposed to work with all tiers of government. That's what, the, that's what a government is. Um, it also requires a further devolution of decision-making powers to local leaders where decisions are often best taken. A new devolution, devolution framework provides a roadmap for doing so. This is a clear, measurable, actionable plan for levelling up the UK from Aberdeen to Antrim, from Newport to Norwich. I had my mind map went wild at that. Aberdeen to Antrim, mm-hmm. was a, okay, from nor- north to Northern Ireland, from Newport to Norwich. It's like it doesn't. It's not Land's End to John O'Groats. It's no. not. A, it's not. A, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But then I realised, of course, Aberdeen, Scotland, Antrim, Northern Ireland, Newport, Wales. So it's. Um, it's just it's the it's the no it's the devolved yeah and then one and then one English town it's mainly alliteration no no it's it, no That's it's why it's, it's, it's there, not you're wrong it's not alliteration it's um it's the union you got because you're talking about devolution. I'm going to say it's significantly more talking, surface than that <laughs> no I I don't think it is okay. it was just a really weird mind map to draw yeah. so my mind was like that doesn't that doesn't actually are you going to tell me that they're going to give responsibilities to smaller things and then take away their money and then blame them. They may do. (laughs) I couldn't tell. I'll never tell. (laughs) As this long-term programme of change is delivered, the difference will begin to be felt in communities, high streets, workplaces, pubs, restaurants, football grounds and theatres. They're going to fix high streets. all the places Mm -hmm. that you could exist. (laughs) Theatres. Theatres. You'll find all the the people in the theatres. Yep. Um... So yeah, that's the, the kind of foreword and a little taste of what's mm-hmm. going to go on. Then we have the like kind of uh, the the meat of it, okay. which uh, is is very long, um, but I've I've picked out some some key bits. Uh, the United Kingdom is an unparalleled success story. It opens <laughs> a multicultural, multinational, multi-ethnic state. With the world's best broadcaster. That's the first thing they say. The world's best broadcaster. Um, a vibrantly creative arts sector. That thing you fund all the time. You definitely fund. A national health service which guarantees care for every citizen. Charities and voluntary groups which perform a million acts of kindness daily. Like Captain Tom's family. <laughs> Globally renowned scientists extending the boundaries of knowledge every year. Entrepreneurs developing the products and services which bring joy and jobs to so many. Like Brewdog. <laughs> Captain Tom, Brewdog. It's all good. Your gas bill. Yeah. Awesome, I love it. <laughs> the regional centre for Barclays Europe. <laughs> um, penguin bars. <laughs> Are they even better? I don't even know. Um, 
Uh, and millions of citizens whose kindness and compassion has been so powerfully displayed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Forcibly displayed, you might say. <laughs> um, but not everyone shares equally in the UK's success. <gasps> While talent is spread equally across our country, opportunity is not. Leveling up is a mission to challenge and change that unfairness. Leveling up means giving everyone the opportunity to flourish. It means people everywhere living longer and more fulfilling lives and benefiting from sustained rises in living standards of well-being. <laughs> Written in <laughs> January 2019. Hmm. Um, uh, January 2020. Um, the UK government has made progress towards spreading opportunity around the country since 2019 alongside mitigating the worst effects of the pandemic. They then list a bunch of stuff they've done. Hmm. Um, I do not understand why this bit was necessary. Talking about like five... Five billion for Project Gigabit to bring gigabit-capable broadband to 85% of the UK by 2025. Broadband communism. <laughs> um, 101 towns across England receiving £2.4 billion from the Towns Fund to unleash their economic potential. 830 million... Okay, this is just... Numbers. They, the Future High Streets Fund, 830 million, 72 towns and high streets. That works out to about £10 million a high street. I think comparatively, considering what kind of pressures they're up against probably not that much and it won't be evenly each high street didn't get yeah. 10 million pounds and they fucking love the like the high streets fund and the towns mm-hmm. fund they keep they love the because no of the um because stupid old tory voters love to go down the high street yeah like the high street is dead like, um it's you're gonna you're flogging they're flogging a dead everyone who tries to fix dead that street, yeah it's like it's, it ain't ever coming. I back. don't think it's. I don't think it's like dead, dead. But it's like not going to be the main focus of retail of the retail. Yeah, sector. not not in the way that and the like, service sector. Why is Walthamstow High Street like a good high street? It's mainly the market yeah. and the kind of shops. It's not like it's never like moving here from Chatham. Chatham High Street was never like Walthamstow High Street, and no. it works in a very different way, and that's yeah. why it's survived. And it's good that they're going to build a load of tower blocks and try and kill it. <laughs> Uh, they list control of our immigration system by ending free movement and introducing a new points-based immigration system. I think you'll find pounds-based immigration system. It's a better descriptor of that. Giving the UK the freedom to decide who comes to our country based on the skills people have to offer. It's not really based on mm-hmm. just skills. It's actually about whether you have, already have a job. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, you know, border mm-hmm. patrols. Mm-hmm. It, mm. History illustrates what is possible. Okay, I've ended the fucking election manifesto now. History illustrates what is possible by following this path. The Renaissance flourished in Italian city-states that combined innovation in finance Mm -hmm. with technological breakthroughs. Professional assassins. (laughs) Reams and reams of people marrying their cousins. (laughs) Cousin after cousin after cousin. And if we insist that people start doing this, then soon the growth will follow. Women locked in towers. Mob warfare. The stiletto knife. <laughs> the, the finest <laughs> poisons. <laughs> Mob violence. Burning artworks in the street. Oh. Dengue fever. <laughs> I can't wait till we have this. Do you know like when there was like, oh, after COVID, it'll be like the roaring 20s. It's, <laughs> it's like the no. roaring renaissance. Yes. <laughs> Get five, get together five of your toughest cousins to go and invade someone because they kept one of your girl cousins inside their tower. Oh God! Um, <laughs> the cultivation of learning, groundbreaking artistic endeavor, a beautiful built environment, and strong civic leadership. Uh, I don't know how much 
I don't really know that much about like Renaissance Florence history, particularly. I know played Assassin's Creed. I played Assassin's Creed. That's all I need to know. A strong civic leadership. It's like, mm. okay, I want you to get your most inbred, richest banking family. <laughs> We're going to buy them a lot of mercenaries, <laughs> and all the artwork they commission is going to be statues of them. <laughs> In the figure of Mary or Christ, <laughs> it's not fucking an exact. Like, yeah, the art, the artwork was beautiful, and you know, I'm sure in art history marked a change from what had previously gone on. But it's like, let's not fucking kid ourselves about what the actual material background of that change was. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just that one day they thought, oh, I've decided to be beautiful. <laughs> um, the first industrial revolution in Britain came about through the interplay of innovative financial instruments, sharper rewards for enterprise. <laughs> New institution, even sharper rewards for the workers who fucking worked for them, mate. They get chewed up in a cotton jenny. Um, new institutions of learning, improvements in transportation, and rivalrous emulation between local leaders and entrepreneurs. Now, I wonder what you're thinking about. Now, obviously, he's referencing the Nairn Anderson thesis, which uh, suggests that the English bourgeoisie, rather than overtaking and eliminating the aristocratic class, tried to join it and blend into it, thus creating the premature capitalist economy that Britain enjoys today, right? Mm -hmm. That's exactly, That's exactly what, what they mean. <laughs> um, those same concerted forces are needed to drive productivity, innovation, and growth across the UK today. This is the contemporary Medici model. Yes. So I looked this up. They're, they're actually, I think they're talking about something called The Medici Effect, which was a book in from 2004 written by Franz Johansson, which was about how a diverse mix of teams could collaborate on innovation, bring ideas from one field into another, and uh, utilise disruptive innovation. Uh, You've heard that. By bringing in people who basically have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> Nothing you haven't heard a million times by the year of our Lord 2021. Um... And yeah, you know, like the Medici, we're going to do disruptive innovation. We're yeah. going to mine the, bo mine the bottom of your keep. We are going to dig it out. We're going to get some trebuchets, fill it with cow guts, and you will give me your daughter's hand in marriage because I have a very, very large son. I have a very big, very bovine son. And me and your daughter are cousins and we played together since we were children. How could you do this to me? I'm the Pope. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, seriously, like it's like the Renaissance wasn't some like well coordinated, humane period of time to live in. The state as a concept barely existed. They barely had taxation. They didn't have the public good. They mm. weren't doing this because they thought I'll be nice, I'll be beautiful, I'll be humane. Mm. They were doing it because they had a the Medici's in particular had a huge amount of wealth that they didn't know what to spend on. You know, they plugged themselves. They made statues of themselves. They made paintings of themselves that they made into religious icons. And if they could have, they would have had gold-covered stakes. <laughs> Apparently, one of the systems I was looking it up. One of the systems they had to use was they had to get si they had to get five or six of the biggest families. They had to get six different bags, and they had to pick public offices out of the bag in like a lottery system hmm. to ensure that all of the offices didn't go to one family because then that family would just get murdered by their rivals. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, our 21st century recipe for a new industrial revolution depends on harnessing an array of interventions and catalyzing a range of sectors. Leveling up will require us to A, boost productivity, pay, jobs and living standards by growing the private sector, mm -hmm. especially in those places where they are lagging. Yay! Also, yeah, the Industrial Revolution noted high pay for workers in that period. Yep. Definitely. It's one of its key features they always teach. <laughs> how great it was to work in industry. <laughs> 
B, spread opportunities and improve public services, especially in those places where they're weakest. Spread opportunities. What is that? Like, at this point, mm. when you've said that every year since, like, 1991. Yeah. Restore a sense of community, local pride of belonging, especially in those places where they have been lost, um, you know, until your job is uprooted and you can't find an affordable flat and you have to move 150 miles away from your friends and family. Um, D, empowers local leaders and communities, especially in those places lacking local agency. Right. Mm -hmm. Devolution mm -hmm. talk now. I want to rag on councils. You could not find a group of people who need less local agency <laughs> than fucking councils, if that's yeah. what they're actually talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about locally elected representatives, scum. Mm -hmm. Dirt the earth. There are exceptions, I'm sure. Yeah, there probably but is. To probably, a large I would extent, say there's probably a handful of To them. a large extent... One of the worst things for the social fabric in this country mm. are local councils mm. of both parties mm -hmm. of all stripes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might argue there's an institutional momentum. There's a certain, like, reasons why councils are so bad and so shitty. But, you know, also they are the people in those positions making those choices. Yeah. Terrible, terrible people. And it's awful that you would base your thing on this. The economic prize from levelling up is potentially enormous. If underperforming places were levelled up towards the UK average, unlocking their potential, this could boost aggregate UK GDP by tens of billions of pounds each year. Accumulated over time, those gains could easily pass annual UK GDP. For example, PricewaterhouseCooper estimates the GDP benefit of levelling up productivity to be around £80 billion per annum. Hang on, did they say that, do you know what? If productivity went up, more money would be well, exist. Well, they are saying if productivity goes up. I'll just finish this. Yeah. The CBI estimate the potential boost to UK productivity from levelling up to be around £200 billion per year. Uh -huh. So 80 or £200 billion, somewhere between there. That's awesome. <laughs> all of these estimates are subject to high degrees of uncertainty, but all of them are quantitatively significant. It isn't known or accurate, but it is very big. <laughs> and there's a truth in that, isn't there? Yes. Big numbers are usually true. <laughs> Annual GDP is about two trillion pounds, by the way. Uh, yeah. So, two hundred billion is not. It w also would be a, like a staggering, like staggering growth, yeah. but also not anywhere near surpassing GDP. Mm. Success in leveling up is about growing the economic pie everywhere and for everyone, not re-slicing it. Mm -hmm. Specifically, saying not mm -hmm. re-slicing it. Um, this is the only bit that sounds kind of Borisy, actually. It's very boosterish of like, yeah, it's it's big numbers, but we don't actually know what those numbers are. Yeah. Um, you have a whole section. It carries on. Have a whole section about the UK geographical disparity, how pockets of deprivation exist inside localities. It's a huge, huge social science report that probably gathers the relevant information together quite well, but starts to read like like a, like a a, a, book, a textbook on the subject. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm sure they there was a lot of work put into this section of it, and I'm sure it's very worthy. But it's like it also doesn't really link up with with the stuff. You know, the the fact that there is deprivation in specific pockets of like Islington mm. or Kensington is the one they bring up quite a lot. Kensington and Middlesbrough are their two mm. kind of big areas. That, that there are rich areas in Middlesbrough that are separate geographically from the poor areas, but there doesn't seem to be like a there seems to be, again, a, a trickle-down theory that mm. if you put new industries and new... If you attract business to those areas, it will just become better. Yeah. Despite the fact that those places do have businesses. They don't mm. have a lot of large employers, but there are businesses and there are like jobs going on there. You know, yeah. it's, it's a bit weird. Um, 
you do really get the feeling that though that they started padding it out when they started explaining each different kind of capital like human capital social capital mm-hmm. institutional capital all that kind of stuff like they there's pages and pages of explaining it in full <laughs> like if you're reading it in full you already you already kind of know this if you're mm-hmm. already committed to reading it yeah you cannot you at least know where to look it up mm-hmm. if you didn't know you didn't need this to explain it to you um it then starts to become really really fucking funny uh As social animals, humans have always congregated in groups. These communities were typically found close to natural resources and seaways for food and trade. The earliest known permanent settlement was to be be classified as urban was Jericho around 10,000 years ago. The city had natural irrigation from the Jordan River, allowing it to produce and export... What? What the Indians called maize. Well, okay. Constantinople was the capital of the Roman Byzantine Empire Empire. 330 to 1204 and 1261 to 1453. The Latin Empire, 1204 to 1261. And the Ottoman Empire, 1453 to 1922. Its growth followed a similar model. Built on the Bosphorus Strait. The strategic location of London's just Across Europe, the Renaissance period in Italy and the Golden Age in Holland offers examples of similar periods of transformative city-centric growth. There are just pages and pages that I think someone did look into it have actually been copied from Wikipedia. (laughs) Just... Excellent. Although there was a really cool list of, like, the biggest cities in the world. Okay. Like, since 7000 BC. That's, like... Nice. That was actually kind of cool. (laughs) Um... So the main bulk of this is kind of like uh, what they describe as their medium-term missions. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're going to do in each kind of area, laying out like I'd say like about twelve different areas of, thing, of, of policy areas they're going to impact. Um, so you start with like living standards. By twenty thirty, pay and employment and productivity productivity will have risen in every area of the UK. A well-functioning and productive economy in every part of the UK is essential to leveling up. Uh, we want to ensure that pay, employment, and productivity has risen in every area. That means supporting the private sector, the real engine of wealth, engine of wealth creation. Do you know how you could make sure pay, employment, and productivity rise in every area by 2030? For more brew dogs. Don't let the fucking private sector get into it. I'm but, sorry, like, we've been playing this game now for 40 fucking years. Hmm. The old game of, like, regional competition, yeah. bidding for companies' attentions with grants and mm-hmm. funding and infrastructure building cuts in labour rights and like it hasn't produced a high wage high productivity economy sorry like they've produced this Mm. this thing that you're trying to fix at least when the Tories used to say that like places like Liverpool ex-industrial places like Liverpool had outlived their usefulness and they should be abandoned at least they were fucking honest Mm. just this shit all the time from Labour and the Tories it's you would not listen to these people if you if most people could just like keep those words in their mind yeah. that this is what they wheel out every single fucking time mm-hmm. domestic public investment in R&D outside the greater southeast will increase by at least 40% and over the spending review period by at least one third additional government funding will seek to leverage at least twice as much as public sector investment over the long term to stimulate innovation and productivity growth we must support high growth businesses and reverse the historic decline in manufacturing in the UK with more of the sort of innovation which characterises economies such as South Korea and Israel. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I love I love when people talk about innovation. It's like, oh, just, just fucking innovate. Yeah, it's fine. Also, not mentioning, you know, the big takeaway here that 
Israel doesn't have to pay for a bunch of stuff because it gets money from the US every year. Yeah. And South Korea was a police state up until about 1985, mm-hmm. I think it was, and has, you know, has had a rigorously controlled state economy up until then. Yep. So, you know. Mm-hmm. The new British Vault Gigafactory in Blythe, the investment by GE to establish a new wind turbine blade manufacturing centre at Teesworks in Redcar, the renewed commitment by Nissan and Envision to manufacture electric vehicles in Sunderland, and the new hydrogen buses being built in Ballymena, which are already on the streets of Aberdeen, are all examples of green manufacturing innovation, bringing high-skill and high-wage jobs to areas which have faced economic headwinds in the past. Right. The reason why those things are built in those places is because they already had established industrial bases. Yeah. Like you had red car steelworks, you yeah. had car manufacturing in Sunderland, you had um, bus manufacturing in Ballymena has existed there um, for, for decades. Mm-hmm. These were already established concerns. Mm. I'm not saying this isn't good for people to have it, but there's this idea that the British, in, like the, the kind of sweeping away of Britain's manufacturing mm. sector that happened during the 80s was just like complete. There's no more factories left. It's yeah. like there are. Mm-hmm. There are some places, and what you're describing is exactly the problem, which is clustering. Mm-hmm. You clustered everything around those particular areas that, you know, survived through. With, yeah. You know, there's some, a lot of those areas like Longbridge and stuff where factories have closed, have not done so well, obviously, but that was like there were delayed effects to that. And like this idea that that is what's going to fix it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a, like it's not a bad idea for people to have those jobs, but. Come on, that's not mm. that's a, like not a really easy route to mm-hmm. thing. Rather than establish something in in an area like I don't know in like Leicester or mm. in areas in Nottingham where it has all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about transport infrastructure. Uh, they are talk. They constantly talk about how transport infrastructure will be by twenty thirty will be closer to the standards of London with improved services, simpler fares, and integrated ticket ticketing. Define like London doesn't say more. Yeah. Notice that. It doesn't say more. So it just means an oyster car. Improved services, simpler fares, and integrated ticketing. Again, Oysters. not bad things, mm-hmm. but the main problem is that the things that were there before have gone away. Mm-hmm. Why have they gone away, and what did it cohere with? It, it, it conjoined with privatisation. Yeah. Uh, under education, the UK government will drive further school improvement in England through 55 new education investment areas in places where educational attainment is currently weakest. They will support strong multi-academy trusts to expand into these areas and offer retention payments to help schools with supply challenges in these areas to retain the best teachers in high-priority subjects. Bribes to private providers. Mm-hmm. It's weird how, like, yeah, giving control over to trusts hasn't really worked out for, you know, education outcomes. Yeah. How, you know... Private, like uh, privately organised uh, education groups and trusts, don't particularly want to go into rural areas to provide <laughs> education, like, like to improve schools or provide education. Yeah, strange, weird that. If only somebody could have, you know. Um, it is also another weird thing that there's never any suggestion in anywhere in this report that anything needs to be removed. Nothing. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. They talk about adding things, new bodies, new funds, new trusts, whatever. Absolutely nothing about the structure or um, organisation of this country needs in any way to be removed is ever suggested in this. It's never suggested in this report (laughs) at all. Um, Skills, they say they will create the UK National Academy, just as the UK pioneered the Open University. This new digital education service will support pupils from all backgrounds. It will be free and made available online to support the work of schools up and down the country. It will allow students... 
does it does it have a qualification? Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just fucking YouTube. Yeah. It's just fucking YouTube. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Again, sure, do it, but it's just YouTube. It's mm-hmm. it's a panacea. It's a tiny, tiny plaster on the problem of adult education. Mm-hmm. Um, we will introduce in work progression offer. Offer to help people on low incomes address barriers to better unemployment opportunities. The DWP will provide $1.3 billion to provide employment support to disabled people and people with health conditions. National Disability Strategy, Health and Disability Green Paper. Just get back to work. Hmm. Just fucking get back. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're unwell. Get back to work. Yeah. Nothing about the challenges that people actually face. Just, no, just It's work. that important that you get back to work. Yeah. Um, and it was about this point I realised kind of, yeah, this is all just electoral material. Mm-hmm. This is just like, it just looks the same. It's not t- designed to win an election, I'm sure. But it's just like, there's nothing here that hasn't been seen before. All of the, After all of this stuff, all of the cause, all the breakdown of causes and like geography of poverty and mm-hmm. all that, you know, reasonably good sociological stuff. This is all just the fucking same. Yeah. It's all just the same shit. Um they talk about health. Um, they're going to narrow the gaps between local areas in healthy life expectancy. One of the gravest inequalities faced by our most disadvantaged, disadvantaged communities is poor health. The COVID-19 pandemic powerfully underlined the disparities in health across this country. The DHSC will shortly publish a white paper designed to tackle the core drivers of disparities in health outcomes. This is what you're for. <laughs> anyway. However, we will act now to deal with one of the biggest contributors to ill health. Poor diet and obesity. Boom! There we go. Fat cunts, you did it to yourselves. All of the talk, again, all the talk of postcode lottery and health disparities between regions. No, it all melts away because it's it's a fry-up. That was what it was. It's not our fault we reorganised the NHS the same way we did the education trusts to make it actively more difficult to operate in rural areas and poor areas and population-dense areas. No, we basically ran it the same way as our industrial strategy, which is spending over the odds to achieve a much worse outcome. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, it's poor diet and, yeah, eating that fry-up. Uh, there's a little section of well-being. Well-being will have improved by 2030 in every year area of the UK. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was worried, actually. I feel better already. I was, I was genuinely <laughs> worried about how, how I would feel over the next decade. I'm glad to know that, you know, it's going to be okay. Uh, I've got to say, looking at the next decade down the barrel of a gun looked really fucking grim to me. Looking at the next three months? Yeah. Not that great. Not yeah. that great. It's, like, it's good to know that it's going to be fine, though. <laughs> Thank you, white paper. <laughs> By twen- uh, they talk about pride in place. Uh, pride in place, such as people's satisfaction with their town centre and engagement in local culture and community, will have risen by 2030 in every area of the UK, with the gap between top performing and other areas closing. We will slash away the bureaucracy of the old EU regional funds. Mm-hmm. That was really getting people down. That was not enhancing my well-being. Yeah. Instead, local leaders will be empowered to direct funding towards their own locally identified priorities, whether that be promoting new outdoor markets, reducing litter, graffiti and antisocial behaviour, reviving high streets, supporting local businesses, or introducing skills provision to match local labour market need and support those further, furthest from the labour market. It's the fucking same! Mm-hmm. Give a load of money to a councillor so he can give it to the richest property developer in your area. <laughs> it's the same! Yeah. 
It's what's caused this. All you've done is you've taken the middleman out of the EU structural funds, which, as I understood, had at least a modicum of like having to prepare this stuff. Mm -hmm. You do not give more money to local councillors organised in the state that they currently are. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, like it's like that sucks. Yeah, I know Corbynism got very into councils for a while, but mm -hmm. my opinion has changed entirely <laughs> since they cut that tree outside your house down. <laughs> Um, I am mad about that fucking dream. <laughs> they talk about housing. Mm -hmm. By 2030, renters will have a secure path to ownership with the number of first-time buyers increasing in all areas. And the government's ambition is for the number of non-decent rented homes to have fallen by 50%. Not eliminated. Mm. Fallen, fallen by 50%. 50%. Even this, where they're promising that well-being will be reduced. Yeah. Or increased. increased. Um, they cannot even do like it's like no, we can't we can't even fucking kid ourselves. There is no reforming the rental market. Absolutely not. No, it is fucked, mate. Fifty percent, sure, but like no, come on, be realistic. Um, Everyone loves rats. We will also the foxes of the kitchen. <laughs> I have foxes in my kitchen. My non-decent kitchen. We will also regenerate 20 of our towns and cities by assembling and remediating brownfield land and working with it. Again, brownfield land, they love doing that. It's like, yeah, we're just going to take all this brownfield land. Yeah, I've seen what they've done. Yeah. I, I saw what they did with some brownfield land. That's why um, the ice rink at the bottom of the Labridge Road is doubling in size because they expanded <laughs> onto more brownfield land. So that's why I'm going to have a much bigger ice rink. In the meantime, for the next couple of years, I can't have a, I can't have a car park there. <laughs> Uh, working with the private sector to bring about transformational developments, combining housing, retail and business in sustainable, walkable, beautiful new neighbourhoods. These new develops, developments, amongst others, will be supported by an office for place, which will pioneer design and beauty, promoting better architectural aesthetics to ensure that they enhance existing settlements, gladden the eye and lift the heart. I've been around them, like the one that you live in, which feels like a gated community, and I feel like a man's going to ask me to leave any time I'm around there. <laughs> I just, there's no fucking point in even, like, dissecting housing, because, like, mm. again, no no one is under any fucking illusions. Yeah. Every single measure in this document that doesn't say, we're going to build more luxury flats with no social housing, it can be assumed that they have subbed that in, and that yeah. the implication is there. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, luxury housing. We're doing up the high street luxury flats. Mm. We are going to make more parks next to luxury flats mm -hmm. our built environment is going to improve Am I going to get because we're going to build a load of uh, luxury flats you have to take that up with the office for place oh. Does it gla would it gladden your heart it would gladden my heart oh sorry gladden your eye and lift your heart it would gladden Although my eye and lift my heart but it would heart, not help my obesity you will, yeah your heart you will get heart problems from that <laughs> um, yeah actually the architectural aesthetics bit that's such mm. a maybe two years ago cranky Tory thing mm -hmm. they do love that stuff you know so vague as well, considering an aesthetic varies from person to person. Weird how no, they talk doesn't. about... No. Oh, sorry, there's one standard for... I forgot there's a single standard for aesthetics. There is. Uh, Renaissance Florence is the standard <laughs> for aesthetics. So, luckily, because of the, rain, because of the flooding issues, we're halfway there. <laughs> You're thinking of Venice, but no, I like it. Isn't Florence kind of wet? I thought Florence oh, it rains kind of wet. in Florence. No, I thought it's there's got... a river. I thought it's got canals and shit. Is it a swampy bit? Maybe it has a swampy bit. It's a long time since I played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Yeah. Um, although Homer Florence isn't in Brotherhood, it's in the first one. Never mind. Um, they talk about crime. By 2030, homicide, serious violence, and neighborhood crime will have fallen. It would have focused on the worst affected areas. We are investing £50 million from the Safer Streets Fund every year uh, to give police and crime commissioners and local authorities in England and Wales the resources they need to tackle crime and antisocial behaviours. Police commissioners, do you remember them? Mm -hmm. I haven't heard about them in ages. 
Again, nothing Great. gets taken away. No. Nothing just, gets taken just away. Just more layers. Yeah. More and more layers. It's a weird thing, because that is the only thing in this report that actually really departs from like mm. what you might call traditional... They are promising new, buro- new bureaucracy. Yeah. Whenever they talk about the EU, they say, we got rid of that EU bureaucracy. bureaucracy. But they promise so much new admin mm-hmm. for this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty, pretty incredible. Well, with us out of the EU, where are we going to? Where are where are our wealthiest families going to send their third sons to work on a cushy job? Send, you, you send your second son to the seminary. <laughs> you send your you keep your first son at home and get him educated. You send your third son to the army. Oh, okay. Okay. Or to your to your friends to a mercenary company <laughs> to the band of the hawk. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think Griffith was? <laughs> Obvious third son there. He's a beggar. I know he's a beggar. I know. He's a piece of shit. Um. Go for a tangent now. Let me explain to you more importantly about why Griffith is a fucking piece of shit. You don't need to explain why Griffith is a piece of shit. Some people might not know. Literally, yeah, but if they haven't watched it, they won't know. If you've watched it, he's the biggest piece of shit in any programme I've ever watched. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) It's literally part of it. Um, Anyway. Um, Local leadership. So this is where they talk about the devolution bit. By 2030, every part of England that wants one will have a devolution deal with powers at or approaching the highest level of devolution and a simplified long-term funding settlement. The UK government will empower decision makers in local areas by providing leaders and businesses with the tools they need. A new framework will extend, deepen and simplify local devolution in England. Um, Ongoing support will be provided to existing city and growth deal areas in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And pan-regional partnerships like the Northern Powerhouse and Midlands Engine. Right. (laughs) Two things. That is actually quite significant, Mm -hmm. that they are going to offer a regional devolution deal. No one's going to fucking take it. No. No one is going to take it. But it's interesting that they're offering it. They must be offering it on that basis, that they know no one's going to take Mm. devolution on the level of Wales in, like, uh, the fucking northwest. Mm. No, no, it's not going. They will. They are not going to allow that. I'm sorry. Um, but the fact that they mentioned like the Northern Powerhouse and Midlands Engine, these were the things that was literally supposed to replace these. Mm-hmm. Leveling mm-hmm. up was supposed to replace this. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Uh, this needs to flow through central and local government, through MPs and their local offices, philanthropists, volunteers, schools, GPs, and a number of other community leaders. They cannot not name every single possible person who could be involved in the process whenever they name a process, by the way. You've got to get the work out <laughs> We will pilot a set of community covenant approaches, new agreements between councils, public bodies, and communities themselves to empower communities to shape the regeneration of their areas and improve public services. Oh, right. Democratic insight into planning decisions. Yeah, no, I know all about that one. Yep. Um, The UK government will create a new regime to oversee its levelling up missions, establishing a statutory duty to publish an annual report, and a new external levelling up advisory council. Another council. I love them. I love them. I love it when they get to this bit, because like the statutory duty to report, that line... Yeah. Um, in a time when they've defanged any potential consequences mm-hmm. of anything actually arising from a report, it's more important that they write the report than yeah. ever. You yes. know, it's absolutely amazing. I think, like, I hate getting all like yes, minister about this, but like, I actually think that show probably has done contributed its fair share of damage to the <laughs> last fifty years in the UK. But this really is close to like administrators to oversee the other administrators. It is, and it's yeah. incredible. I, they don't usually put it up up front this this mm-hmm. like quite this obviously you know yeah. even new labor which yeah. was prone to that kind of thing 
Um, they make a very big deal out of moving civil servants out of London. They talk about how many they're moving to Stoke and Wolverhampton. There was one bit in this. Are they going to tend? Are they going to do what the BBC did with um, with Manchester, where people started mm. referring to it as Siberia as if they were being punished by being shipped out? Well, I don't know how many people of each department and what functions they're moving out, but the idea is that it will better serve your local community mm-hmm. that all the communities that they move to. And it's like it won't. No. The idea, I mean, if we're talking real here, the idea is that it is a good faith gesture to suggest that bourgeoisies can be formed in these places where they believed bourgeoisies do not exist. Mm-hmm. Stoke-on-Trent, Darlington, Wolverhampton. They do not believe, or deep down they believe, that the lack of a middle class is what has deprived people of like their economic and their moral well-being yeah that is like a fully like that's a fucking charles murray Mm. in america the guy who did the bell curve yeah he published a book a few years ago about how the reason why you have white trash and in america is that they have moved too far the middle class has moved too far away from them to teach them good habits and so they become more like african-americans so they need to open a franchise of the white house in the appalachian foils yes basically yeah okay that'll work um, this this one did make me laugh though of all the relocation things. Wales will benefit from the relocation of around 500 non-operational Ministry of Justice roles to sites including Cardiff, Swansea and Wrexham by 2030 as part of wider plans announced by the Ministry of Justice to create seven new Justice Collaboration Centres and several smaller Justice Satellite Centres across England and Wales. And I know it's just like civil servants being moved there, but it is very funny, the idea to me of surrounding Wales with cop shops and creating a 21st century ring of iron around Wales. It's like we've got to build all of our car Like Renaissance Italy, we yeah. have to build all of our castles around the borders again, around the Welsh marches. Oh, God. The- <laughs> we've got to appoint some justice lords <laughs> to sit in large stone keeps around Swansea and, and Cardiff. That's about <sighs> Look, just it's a justice collaboration centre. Yes, it's a hundred foot high, made out of sheet stone and filled with a moat. But <laughs> we want to usher in a devolution revolution, a new introducing a new model for counties with mayors or governors. That would be interesting. The first person to be named governor of Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Um, they will offer, yeah, they will offer more mayoral combined authority powers. Um, across the country little guys for everywhere (laughs) to invest more grow more and take more risks as well as developing a more flexible and better regulatory model for business outside the eu we will also reform outdated eu rules restricting investment from pension funds and others so we can see more money flow into long-term capital assets oh like luxury housing (laughs) yes (laughs) good if anything we need more money going into property Um, there is another specific one as well that mm. says um, they want to uh, call on the UK's institutional investors to seize the moment for an investment big bang Ooh. to boost Britain's long-term growth. The UK government will go further and work with local government pension funds to publish plans for increasing local investment, including setting an ambition of up to 5% of assets invested in projects which support local areas. So that's basically council pensions. Mm-hmm. Five percent of them have to be used in local projects, which is interesting considering the mess we're in now was underwritten by the releasing of pension funds into the stock market mm-hmm. and into investment funds. It's where all the money for like the the, the kind of 
crazy stock market stuff in the 80s, mergers and acquisitions came from was largely from pension funds. But does this mean that a chunk of the pension fund for Waltham Forest Council yeah. could be used to open a franchise of a taco building? <laughs> it will not just be that it could be. There will be a statutory be requirement. Man- for it to be seriously no, no in all in all in all, in all if it says Taco Bell, I'm not having another fucking Nando's. But think about that. Also, think about the fucking economic geography of that. Yeah. Like, if you open up your Taco Bell yeah. right in Waltham Forest, yeah. okay, the money doesn't flow locally. I mean, I know they're franchised, yeah. but if they're franchised nationally, mm. the money doesn't flow locally. Even no. if you were investing and if you are paying yeah. a certain number of people, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But the food isn't coming from local. The 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 um. The money that the profit that it makes isn't staying local. It's getting plugged back into the stock market. Yeah. Where are all those capitalist, you know, efficient capitalist funding, liquid cash things mm. when you need them? You know, that was the reason. You know, yeah. you were being so rational efficient that you had to like force council pensions mm. to be invested in the local area. That's how difficult it is to get people to invest. It's just weird. Um, the whole thing ends with like a map of different areas of the UK mm-hmm. um, with things that have already been done and things that are planned for the future. So okay. like the East of England gets a £500 million city deal, £24 million from the Future High Streets Fund, £462 million for local roads maintenance, £96,600 from the Community Ownership Fund awarded to the Racehorse Inn in West Hall. <laughs> And it continues like this. So for the East Midlands, £40 million for buses in something called the Transforming Cities Fund. You might think that's the same as the city deals or the towns fund, but it's not. It's something <laughs> different. Uh, £400 million from the Midlands Engine Fund. And it goes on. The Sustainable yeah. Warmth Fund, the Brownfield Land Release Fund, the Leveling Up Fund, Project Gigabit, City and Growth Deals, the New Deal for New Northern Ireland, the Strength in Places Fund, the Education and Investment Areas, Community Ownership Fund, the Community Renewal Fund, which are two different things. The, <laughs> the London one is extremely funny because, as we've already said, we big city fat cats need our fucking treats and we need our taco bills. They fucking list as an accomplishment Mm-hmm. And as their plan, yeah. an eighteen billion pound investment, huge, mm-hmm. an eighteen billion pound investment in Crossrail, <laughs> the fucking longest building project in history. The fucking Cheops Pyramid took less time to build than this fucking railway, and it's still not open. And they have claimed credit for it. <laughs> And under, one of the final bits of text under London reads as a mark of how seriously uh, mm. you can take the majority of this report. The Leveling Up Advisory Council will consider how to ensure London's complex economic geography and socio-economic spectrum can further benefit from levelling up. This is not a sentence. This is a bullet point in a list of bullet points of things that they've achieved. Yeah. <laughs> Did you put a to be continued? <laughs> the end question mark. <laughs> So yeah, in conclusion, like I, I saw a rep- response on this in the Independent. There's like maybe the only positive response, which was by someone called Martin Wolf. The Leveling Up white paper is a necessary call to arms. Reversing decades of regional disparity in the UK will require real devolution of power. I mean, after this, like, does it? Does it actually? Like, regionalisation has been and local solutions to things has been 
orthodoxy for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like, every politician talks about it. But it's been around for a lot longer than that. In terms of, it's the thing every fucking politician turns to when they think they need to display a new idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Every few years, you'll get some, like, Labour dolt doing his own press conference for a book, and it'll be called, like, The Power of Small. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, And I think, just like... It's a it's a catch-all term because they're not actually sure they, they are not willing to undergo the actual measures that leveling up would actually require. Yeah. Um, the only way leveling up could have succeeded under the terms this paper sets out would be for it to propose measures that run against the existing spatial flow of capital. Yeah. These areas haven't got investment, these areas haven't got mm-hmm. money because capital doesn't want to invest in them because it doesn't see a return. Now, in order to regenerate those areas, you would actually have to put money in there regardless of whether you were going to get a capital return or not, mm-hmm. regardless whether you were going to put, get, get in a profit. You can't just, like, gentrify your way out of this problem. Mm. It's always the thing I think about with, like, uh, Hackney or whatever. It's like, you can walk around Hackney now, and it's like, oh, this is quite nice, this is all right. And you realise that it really only took until house prices went up and they could get something out of it. That yeah. They improved the little things that they talk about, the quality of life things that they talk about in this report. All this money is flowing around the UK across borders and the idea is that the state steps in to divert some of it towards depressed regions. That's not even like a socialist thing. Mm. That's like a, if the Tories want to do this thing, this is what they have to do. They have to divert some of that cash. And they have to invest where capital at large will not. But it's the idea. Its idea of stepping in is under exactly the same terms as every other government policy for the last forty years. We have to persuade business. We have to make it pretty. Mm. We have to bribe them, and then maybe they will come back to your town and make a call centre or a bowling alley or something. And that's as long as they don't change their minds halfway through and just make luxury flats like everywhere else. Mm. A guaranteed return. Well, supposedly. Yeah. Um, I've just. I feel like I've read dozens of this type of thing. Mm. Doing this podcast and mm. doing like, like paying attention to politics and maybe paying yeah. attention to some of the nitty gritty of, of what you think actually goes on in terms of policy. And mm. it's like, it's literally all the same. Yeah. I've never read a single thing that doesn't boil down to the state will ask business to do a thing and we will, if they don't, we will pay them massively over the odds to ensure it's done for a bit. Yeah. Um, if you separate out the rhetoric, levelling up, the big society, the northern powerhouse, the Midlands mm. engine, towns, 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 communitarianism, uh, there must have been another one, the protective state or something, I think mm. that was uh, Theresa May's one. Um, this is exactly the same model as has yeah. been used for decades. This might as well be a new Labour document. Mm. Like, There's no fucking difference mm-hmm. at all um, in that the state is limited to the role of setting guidelines for an auction. And that's it. And I know we've said it before, but if the rule you followed brought you here to this state that they say is not going the way they want it to, yeah. the way it should be, what use was the rule? Yeah. But you're following the same rule again and again. And I think you can probably go further. This paper not only doesn't solve the problems, it actually perpetuates them. It allows the market to run areas, which means growth and money will be clustered in areas that already have a track record and are a sure thing. Um but putting the money in the hands of those same companies that pulled out of areas of the north or refused to invest in those areas, it just hands that class even more power to decide which localities have things and which don't. And in five or six time when the leveling in five or six years time when the leveling up focus wears off or they haven't received any recent reasons to invest in Blackpool or Gillingham, they'll pull out. 
And this isn't a fucking hypothetical because it's literally been done. It's literally the yeah. reason why these places are in the state that they're in. Mm. Because they, you have not provided a reason for human beings, a reason mm. or a means for human beings to perpetuate themselves. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the Liverpool thing. Early like theorists about what was going to happen to Britain's industrial capacity was, at root, at heart, and in quiet the number of labouring people will die down to a manageable level. Mm. And I can't help but notice the current, you know, we've talked about Tories doing it, talking about a return to peasantry, a return to, mm. a return to the land, a forced return to the land if mm. necessary. Yeah, it's not a hypothetical thing. These, these processes have already happened once in the 80s. I mean, yeah. fuck it, they've happened again through the mm. 90s in a lot of areas. Um, and I've always had this like pet theory about the UK state being a rube as far as capitalism goes, it always yeah. plays by the rules, whereas places like um, like West Germany or Japan or South Korea will put as much fucking state support and run as many inefficient industries as long as it takes for them to come up with something good. Yeah. And then they create something good and then they're considered the, you know, the industrial powerhouse or the technological powerhouse. Yeah. And just this idea that this is going to just recreate the West German miracle or the Singapore miracle or, you know, it's the holy grail of globalization, but it's reliving past glories. It, mm. There's no extra space. These, this was a, a this happened at a time when you you could have the prospect of the Soviet Union coming into the global economy, of China coming into the global economy. You always had that frontier, that horizon. Mm. That horizon's gone, man. Mm. It's finished. China was the last one. Yeah. I mean, unless you really count the markets of North Korea as a great thing to export to, but you know, it's not the same thing. Business ultimately, they talk about wanting a high wage high productivity economy they can they can get a high wage economy anytime they fucking want mm. anytime by paying higher wages yeah um obviously business would like skilled worker but if it could do without them it would mm -hmm. that's what that's what has happened everywhere yeah. there is no need for skills if they can run something without skilled workers they will do it because they don't have to pay them anymore um the problem isn't really like how much you invest in an area or persuading people to do it. The problem is the logic that views human, democratic, sustainable, climate-sustaining life activity as a hindrance. Mm. That's it. Like it, They don't want life to continue in these areas. That's why they haven't invested. Mm. Um, but I think, like, yeah, the, the, the state this white paper is in does kind of like highlight something important about how ultimately ungovernable and unreformable this country is under these conditions. Mm. We've talked during COVID about how fragile everything seemed, about how easy it was to disrupt everything if a single thing was removed from like the day-to-day -day operation of things. And if you remember, after Brexit, there was that sense of a force unleashed, and for Remain it was dangerous, and for Leave it was unrealised potential, yeah. it led to levelling up, blah, blah, blah. And it was a change, and there was a kind of... There should have been a realisation at the time that I don't think ever manifested that a change... That, even, that a halfway decent Brexit required demanded earth-shattering reform, like state yeah. reforms. It demanded basically state building, yeah. which obviously we haven't got. Um, here we are after a two-year pandemic, a five-year Brexit battle that got weirder than anything I've ever seen, and a Brexit mandate. Mm. And it's a report that wouldn't look out of place being delivered like by Douglas Alexander in 2006. Yeah. Just to throw a random name and date yeah. out there, you know, if if Boris, with the victory he had with the Tories, basically with the victory they had, with Brexit momentum, with everyone praising them, mm. and with them, you know, if we pretend they're not lying, if we mm -hmm. pretend they're not just trying to eke out another day, yeah. if we pretend they have actual goals in politics, which some of them are fanatical to do, fanatical enough to have, mm. 
they can't even pretend to try. Mm-hmm. And they're caught in that same rhetorical trap as Labour, which is they're pressured to say Britain is already great and amazing, but also has intractable problems only they can solve. They're mm-hmm. caught in that trap now. And you think with all of that momentum, with all of that thing, that you couldn't get past the middlemen, the need to have an economy where when anything gets if anything if the state wants to do anything, if you want to improve anything that is outside normal capitalist logic, you have to employ you have to set up a fund and employ KPMG or Capita or whoever to manage that fund and dole out funds. And then if somebody wants it, they have to apply to it like an auction. That is the only model by which areas will get more money. It is the only model by which anything will ever be done through a professional uh, managerial class of political organisers and um, lobbyists, Mm. basically. And I just think, like, thinking about, you know, all the reforms of Corbynism, like, most egregiously, like, broadband communism, which is mentioned in this, it's Mm. not quite as communistic as it was portrayed but it was a very similar thing Mm. other than public ownership it was it's giving a load of money to extend broadband into areas that don't have it yeah and like what did people actually object to about broadband communism what was brought up it cost too much money Mm -hmm. it was inefficient Mm -hmm. it was not necessary and it's like well okay this costs a shitload of money Mm -hmm. almost as much money as it would have cost Mm -hmm. i think probably more actually because you're handing it to a private provider um all these schemes demand just as much money on that basis. Um, you have less democratic control. Uh, the demand, the result is the same. Mm-hmm. You link everyone up to broadband. But the difference was it didn't involve multiple funds, layers of ownership schemes and partnerships with the professional managerial class. And I think that, like, I've been thinking about that as a major lesson from a lot of what happened in Corbyn is that the problem is not necessarily pushing new things through the House of Commons but it would have been the reaction that you get from everything else outside. Like, I think pushing stuff through the Commons for Corbynism would have been achievable, potentially, but by doing something in a systemic way, like cutting out the middlemen, Mm -hmm. it ran counter to absolutely everything that this country is based on. It's just a country of middlemen. You won't get a high-wage, high-productivity economy out of doing this same old, same old. You get high wages by asking and getting higher wages by Mm. demanding it by wringing them out of these people Mm. like a fucking wet cloth and when you read something like this it does kind of occur to you how much they actually need this mode they need Mm. the regional inequality they need this poverty to exist how how much of it fits into the hegemonic makeup of this Mm. country like the constant treadmill of increasing complexity of where funds are going and the lowering of while lowering while living conditions are, are, are going down um you know, the potholes and the angry Brexit couple in a bungalow in Lower Stoft. Mm. It's like, why would you ever want to change that? It's fucking perfect. Mm. If anyone actually examined the elements that went into this equation, the amount of money being spent and the result that was gotten, whether your life's gotten any better, if anyone ever examined those two elements in conjunction, you would say, hey, this matches up. It seems that £36 million went into the Pride in Places fund, but £36 million just got cut from Universal Credit. Yeah, Weird that, isn't it? And it's, you know, no wonder people have, like, people like the Taxpayers' Alliance and, you know, and Brexit, frankly. No wonder they cut through so much because all the state ever announces is more money and things get worse. Mm. £60 million towards buses and they cut routes. £400 billion on trains and they just get more and more expensive. You've got 14 different Pride of Place and High Street funds, but they wage a six-year legal battle to cut down the trees on your road. People don't link these two, like, like grassroots-level facts up in their mind. 
and it only ever emerges as something like big and hegemonic, like a Brexit. And mm. so they say, I hate EU structural funds. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's mad, isn't it? That, yeah. that somebody would, would, would go into that. But this report, this is just the latest instalment of that just completely dominant hegemonic response mm. to any kind of rebalancing of this country. And, it, you know, designed to make you think that there was actually some big change that went on when categorically there was not. Mm. It's less the Medici effect. It's more like the Mandela effect. Ooh. Have I got news for you? Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's fine. I'm going to make a killing off my new burgeoning stiletto kosh and poison business. Just waiting outside the Taco Bell with your stiletto. Yeah, my stiletto blades and my um, my blackjacks. <laughs> just just giving just offering my services to the new warlords in all these different towns. <laughs> Alright, that's us for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at WDT80W underscore podcast. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Follow me at BM Bergmo. Uh, Hugh, are you streaming this week? It's Struggle Ruffian and I'm will be streaming it is struggle roughing. So it'll be next week, probably, because I have busted myself really okay. bad and I cannot sit for much oh. longer. <laughs> yeah. That's it for us this week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game When Mr. Hoover said to cut my...